Wait, come again? What was that? Oh, NCAA enforcement pays a visit to the University of Miami last week because, of course, they did. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including pregame and postgame for Miami Hurricanes football. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen every day. We are available free wherever you get your podcast, and available free on YouTube. There's never a dull moment with the U. So you saw what was, I would describe as a frightening headline in Sports Illustrated yesterday. Sources. NCAA enforcement begins attempted NIL crackdown with Miami inquiry. Same story, but a far less frightening headline from on3.com. Their headline, John Ruiz, Life Wallet, met with NCAA to discuss NIL deals with Miami athletes. So is Miami in trouble? That's the first question that everyone's asking coming out of these news stories. The community of Miami Hurricanes football fans, we have PTSD when it comes to NCAA investigations, right? So anytime you hear NCAA and Miami in the same sentence, our knee-jerk reaction is to yell and complain. And I did that. When I saw the headline without actually reading the story, I did read the story. Of course, I've read multiple stories about this. But when I first saw the headline on Tuesday night, yeah, my knee jerk was to yell and complain. And it is it is pretty annoying here. No matter what the outcome is or even the purpose of this inquiry, it is pretty annoying that Miami appears to be their first stop in this little compliance tour that they, that they put together. So a few weeks ago, Nick Saban, accused Texas A&M of buying their entire team. He literally said that. So you would think the NCAA might say, okay, let's go check out Texas A&M. Then a day later, the head coach of Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, literally challenged anyone and everyone to investigate Nick Saban, referred to him as God. So you'd think the NCAA after that might say, well, okay, let's check out Alabama. Instead, they say, no, let's just let's just check out Miami. So it's, you know, I I understand why Canes fans are frustrated, but I am not worried about this at all. First and foremost, I am quite confident that John Ruiz, CEO of LifeWallet, who uh, he's making major NIL payouts to University of Miami student-athletes to promote his services, Life Wallet and Cigar Racing. I'm very confident that he has nothing to hide, that he's doing all of his NIL deals by the book and above board. And Miami has nothing to hide because they are allowing the NIL process to play out without any tampering or influence because you know that's what the schools are supposed to do. The schools are not the ones cutting the checks. They are just basically staying out of it, okay? And the way that John Ruiz described his meetings with the NCAA last week, because, you know, I encourage you folks out there, whenever you see headlines, click on the story and read it. Just don't formulate your opinion strictly based on the headlines. But uh, John Ruiz made it sound as though the NCAA, they're genuinely just trying to get a sense for how he's doing these deals 
so they can learn more about the NIL process rather than interviewing him. Like It wasn't an interrogation. It was an interview. Like They're not doing this, at least not right now, to crack down on anything happening around Miami or anything Miami is doing. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't sound like they're doing this to try to punish anybody, okay? At this stage, people have to remember, the NCAA right now isn't necessarily looking for someone to punish anyone. Miami, Texas A&M, Alabama, USC. I think right now they're just trying to figure out how NIL is functioning around the country so that they have a better idea how to govern it, okay? When NIL first rolled out in 2021, the NCAA just wasn't ready for it, guys. They didn't have a plan, okay? And the big complicating factor for them is every state has different laws governing NIL. This isn't a federal thing where it's all the same from Florida to California to Massachusetts. It goes state by state on this. Like, for example, uh, the laws that govern NIL are more lenient in the state of Texas than they are in most other places. The laws in Florida are far different than the laws in California. So what I think is happening right now is the NCAA is figuring out how they can govern this over 50 states. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any NCAA school in Alaska, but you know, 40, whatever. They're figuring out how they can govern this nationwide without opening themselves up to lawsuits because they it's hard for them to come up with a plan on how they can make any sort of sweeping regulations for this without different states saying, well, you're you're contradicting our laws directly. They can't contradict state laws, okay? Uh, the quotes from John Ruiz to Sports Illustrated, they really reinforce the idea, at least from his perspective, that this is right now more about gathering information than it is about punishing anyone. Uh, according to SI, he describes the NCAA's visit to Miami as not a quote-unquote investigation, but more of an inquiry to learn more about the evolving landscape of name, image, and likeness. Uh, quote from Ruiz, a lot of NCAA bylaws are hard to reconcile with the ability and right to enter into NIL deals, he says. I think that the NCAA is starting to get a handle on the fact that it's not capable of navigating within the state NIL laws and their own bylaws. That is an internal conflict, he says. I felt the people from the NCAA were extremely pleasant, right? So this is this is not like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to bring up old scars and terrible memories, but you remember when, you know, the Nevin Shapiro stuff was going down. I don't think anybody described that investigation as pleasant, <laughs> Right, So this is not like that. OK, um, they are tasked with the job of making sure they gather enough information and create a functioning standard for everybody. There has to be better regulation, he said. A Miami spokesperson provided Sports Illustrated with a statement saying, quote, like our peer institutions around the country, the University of Miami communicates with NCAA staff to ensure compliance with applicable NCAA regulations. Per NCAA rules, they say, and in order to maintain the integrity of the review, the university cannot comment on specifics of the matter. Here are some important factors to remember with NIL, with John Ruiz, with Miami. Um, I just, I don't want folks to be worried about this. Like it's one, you can hate the NCAA all you want for a lot of valid reasons, but just don't be afraid of what's happening right now with this inquiry. Let's remember, John Ruiz himself, an experienced attorney, right? He's not just a business owner. He is an attorney by background and by trade. 
his knowledge of the laws and bylaws that govern NCAA, or sorry, that govern NIL, run very deep. And he has other attorneys also working with him to make sure that they dot all the I's and cross all the T's when they cut these deals. Uh, Ruiz's businesses, like LifeWallet and Cigar Racing, are actual businesses. The parent company for them was recently approved by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So when John Ruiz pays athletes to advertise for him, they're advertising for actual businesses. He's getting a return on that investment. Whereas a lot of the other NIL collectives around the country are literally just collecting money to pay players without getting any actual return on investment because their collectives only exist for NIL, right? Like John Ruiz, Cigar Racing and Life Wallet would exist independently of this. Whereas when other collectives around the country literally just form a quote unquote business just so they can pay players, that's the only reason their business exists. They only exist to pay out NIL money. So if more crackdown and more enforcement does come from the NCAA, I think you'd have to be a lot more worried about a lot of the other collectives out there before you should be worried about LifeWallet, unless there really is a witch hunt, right? I mean, I could put my tinfoil hat on for this, I guess. If there really is this witch hunt where they're, you know, they, they don't have the stones to go after Saban or Texas or Texas A&M. So they look at Miami as the easy target. Oh, we bullied Miami before, so let's go after Miami. Um, I don't believe that's going on here. I don't believe that's what this is. But yeah, uh, assuming we've got some kind of a level playing field here with this inquiry, I'd be a lot less worried about LifeWallet, John Ruiz, and Miami than I would be about a lot of the other NIL situations around the country. Just wanted to throw that out there. Tell me what you guys think in the comments and on Twitter. You can follow us at Locked on Canes. We will follow you back if you follow us at Locked on Canes and help us build this community. You can also follow my personal at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. So this bit of news, this fell into our laps on Tuesday night. Um, for the rest of this episode, and guys, this is loaded. I don't want anyone to tell you that we're in a college football offseason. Like, you call this an offseason when we've got big-time recruiting developments left and right, and we've got a position group to break down, my friends. As promised, we are going to talk about the top three members of Miami's quarterback room and about who else could potentially be coming in in recruiting. Uh, and, yeah, talking recruiting. Miami landed a big-time tight end commit this week, and it's not the one I expected. I expected a different tight end commit for the class of 2023, which still might happen, but Miami got a very, very big one this week. You know what else is a big factor here? Oh, Built Bar. You know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing flavors? Well, this time, Built has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor. People are raving about this one, guys. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. Not sure what Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you'd better sit down for this, okay? The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. Oh my goodness, I'm getting hungry talking about this. You've got to try Mud Pie as soon as possible. And 
you need to hurry because the Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff are only available for a limited time. Visit Built.com to taste the deliciousness for yourself. Are you not convinced yet? Well, luckily, we saved the best for last. It's actually good for you. No, really. All Built Bars are low calories, high protein, and low sugar. Mud Pie is packed with 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and 8 grams of sugar. It's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up just for you. Mud pie bars and puffs are available at built.com right now. They're going fast because they're delicious. What's great about built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new mud pie built bar and built puff. Wherever, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just want to grab a quick bite, I do it all the time. In fact, I usually, uh, I usually eat built bars for breakfast because I'm not a big breakfast guy, but I like to get that boost and they taste great. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar, by the way. Chocolate mousse, whipped cream, cookies and cream crumble. Stop drooling, guys. Get to built.com to order your box of mud pie bars and puffs now. You will not regret it. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. The ultimate NBA mock draft will start June 16th. That is ooh, tomorrow with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft like this. The Locked on NBA Big Board Draft Experts plus the Odyssey Insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now. So you do not miss a pick. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen every day. Uh, I think it goes without saying, Miami is in really, really, really good shape right now at the quarterback position. And I believe they're in really, really good shape for at least the next four years. And that's not even considering who might be coming in in the class of 2023 as a true freshman for next year. So. When we examine Miami's quarterback room, like no disrespect to Peyton Matoka, but we're, I want to focus on the guy who's starting right now, and I believe the two players that are or could be next in line to take that torch from Tyler Van Dyke when he goes to the NFL, and he will be an NFL quarterback guy sooner rather than later. So let's start with the newest addition to the Miami Hurricanes quarterback room, Ja'Curry Brown. Now, I got to tell you, I was somewhat excited about this player when the commit came in from him. I was a lot more excited about this player when I saw him in person and I saw him slinging it and running around the field and just got a look at him at spring practice. Four-star quarterback out of Valdosta, Georgia, 17th-ranked quarterback in the class of 2022. And what really jumps off the page with Ja'Cory Brown is Great size for the position already at 18 years old. Listed at six foot four. He looked every bit of it, if not even taller than that, when I got to see him on the field. Um, you know, he already looks like just based on, you know, the physical build. Like you see Ja'Cory Brown, you think, oh, what is this guy? A, a college junior? No, true freshman. And even like he wouldn't even technically be a true freshman at the time when we saw him back in April, you know. Had he not been an early uh, enrollee, would have been preparing for his prom, okay? So basically high school senior age. Uh, true dual threat quarterback. That's something, folks, that a couple of years down the road, um, when I think he'll have the opportunity to be Miami's starting quarterback, 
going to be really exciting about Ja'Cory Brown is, as Andrew Ivins of 24-7 Sports pointed out in his scouting report, he rushed for over 100 yards in 14 separate varsity football games. So he is going to add a serious running element along with the passing element to Miami's offense. He is still developing as a passer. His arm looked pretty good at times in spring practice. You could definitely see he was raw. Like if you compare his throws and his accuracy um, to Tyler Van Dyke and to Jake Garcia, like obviously he's behind those guys, but he he did make a couple of deep bomb throws in spring practice and say, okay, okay, this young man has something. Very high ceiling player. Uh, I think he's going to become really a pet project for quarterbacks coach Frank Ponce. Good coaching, I think, can make this guy great. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on the near future for Miami football. Because if there's one thing Miami hasn't had or hasn't done a good enough job for many, many years is developing the players you get in. Like, it's one thing. You can bring in top 20, top 25 recruiting classes routinely. Miami's had a lot of those. Like, even when Al Golden and Manny Diaz were recruiting at the U, they routinely would get classes in the top 25, and then they would never finish the season in the top 25. So there's some disconnect there. I believe the biggest disconnect Miami has had, uh, yeah, recruiting can get better, and it is getting better, of course. But the actual talent development can get a lot better. Like, how do you get high-rated three-stars and four-star players in, and they just don't amount to a whole lot? I've got to believe coaching has a big thing to do with that. I think Frank Ponce is an excellent quarterbacks coach, and I think he's going to be here for a while. There are certain members of Miami's coaching staff that I think are going to do a tremendous job in the short term and may not be around for the long haul. Um, I think so highly of Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, that I think in a year or two he's going to be a head coach at a big program. That's how highly I think of him. Um, you know, I don't know if Charlie Strong is going to be around here more than a couple of years because he may get a promotion somewhere else, but. Frank Ponce is someone that I do think is going to be either quarterback's coach or potentially the future offensive coordinator and be here for a number of years. And I think he's going to make Ja'Cory Brown really a pet project of his, and it's going to help this guy as a passer take his game to a next to the next level. And I honestly, I think three seasons from now, that, that's kind of the mark that I'm going to line here. Three seasons from now, when he's a third-year sophomore, I think this guy should absolutely be ready to be a starter at Miami, either the surefire starter or maybe competing with a true freshman that they bring in this year, and he can be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And I I put something out on Twitter on our Locked on Canes account asking you guys, who do you think three years from now, so that would be 2025, who do you think is going to be the starting quarterback at Miami and the most popular answer because obviously TVD will be long gone by then Jake Garcia could be very well gone by then I think that that would be potentially a senior season for him but if he plays well he could you know leave a year early for the draft a year or two early for the draft depending on how things go so yeah the most popular answer we got three seasons from now who's going to be starting quarterback at the U the most popular answer we got was Ja'Cory Brown, and I'm with you guys on that. I, I think that that's the most likely thing. So let's move on to Jake Garcia. Four-star quarterback, originally from California, played his senior season, though, in Georgia. Remember, he moved. His family moved because California, in 2020 pandemic year, they shut down all their high school football. So, you know, he moved east just so he could play 
and he raised his stock even higher at that point. A former USC commit who ended up committing and arriving in Miami. Uh, he was the eighth-ranked quarterback in the class of 2021. He doesn't quite have Ja'Cory Brown height, but good height at six foot two and a half. And folks, Jake Garcia, I think he's the real deal. Solid pocket presence, solid footwork, very strong, accurate arm. We got a chance to watch quite a bit of Jake Garcia in the 2021 spring game, where I thought at that point, remember that was two spring games ago, I thought he looked even better than Tyler Van Dyke in that 2021 spring game. We saw him again looking good in the 2022 spring game, and we did see him a little bit in the regular season last year. Uh, in the Central Connecticut game, he attempted 14 passes, 11 for 14, 147 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions in that game. And, you know, going back, watching his high school highlight reels and watching what we've seen uh, from him in Miami, we've seen Jake Garcia, who is the heir apparent to Tyler Van Dyke. He's made some very accurate throws into very tight windows. Some of these throws literally make my jaw drop. I know what Jake Garcia is capable of. Very athletic as well, okay? So if Tyler Van Dyke does leave early for the NFL, as most of us suspect and project that he will, of course, it's going to be all about what he does in 2022. But at this point, this is a, a prime candidate to leave early. Miami should be able to, in 2023, should be able to transition from TVD to Jake Garcia really without skipping a beat or much of a beat, in my opinion. That's how highly I think of Jake Garcia. And you guys know I love TVD, but I think Jake Garcia is so good that if they have to make that switch a year from now to TVD to Jake, I'm not expecting much of any drop-off whatsoever at the quarterback position. So, of course, I saved, I saved the current starter for last. And I feel like, what do I need to say about Tyler Van Dyke that you guys don't know already, right? I'll say a few words, though, about TVD because I love him. TV Dimes. Six straight games last season of at least 300 passing yards and at least three touchdown passes. ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. He tied the Miami Hurricanes season record with a completion percentage of 62.3. And to add some context to that excellent completion percentage, it's not like this guy's dinking and dunking is the crazy thing. Like, downfield deep passing threat to complete 62.3% of your passes when you take as many shots downfield as TVD, that's really impressive, right? This guy's not throwing bubble screens all day. Like, he's tied for the fourth best odds to win the Heisman Trophy at this point. He's in a big tie at, at uh, 30 to 1 odds, but he is, he is tied for the fourth best odds. Um, outside, really, of a poor first half against Florida State last season, I know our guy, Better Duck, will never let us forget about that. Uh, you know, he threw three INTs in the first half of that Florida State game. It's really hard outside of that. It's hard to criticize Tyler Van Dyke right now, especially since he bounced back in that very same game with a huge second half. Got a cannon for an arm, intelligent, mentally strong. Uh, you remember the way he was, you know, doing a little a little jawing at North Carolina State, and then he backed it up on the field and had a great game and beat those guys. So here's what I look at it. Like I say, I can't really criticize TVD, but I'm going to give you guys what I see are three challenges, like the three biggest challenges for Tyler Van Dyke. Number one, he's got to learn and adapt to a new offense. 
right? Because listen, changing offensive coordinators, entire coaching regime change, it's a tricky thing. I think he'll be fine. Um, number two, uh, building on an excellent foundation from last year. Because listen, he had a great six games. There's nothing guaranteed. Mainly got to stay consistent this year and actually get even better. And then number three for me is he's got to persevere despite losing his top two wide receivers from last year. Charleston Rambo, Mike Harley, top two receivers from last year. They're out of the program now, so you've got to develop other big-time options. And from Miami's tight end room to you know someone like Xavier Restrepo, who's TBD's roommate, who I think will catch a ton of passes this year, then we got to see which of the deep threats really emerge this season. I think he's going to be fine, but that definitely does present a challenge. So that's the way that I see the quarterback room. And what about the future of the quarterback room? We'll get into that on the other side. Keep it locked right here to Locked On Canes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So recruiting the quarterback position. I think the class of 2023 quarterback, I don't know why that was a tongue twister for me there. I think the 2023 quarterback that's most likely to end up at the U is three-star Emery Williams out of the Florida Panhandle, um, who, you know, he's a three-star. He could end up being a four-star, guys, by the end of his next high school season. I think he's probably most likely. He was just here uh, on a visit, uh, working out in front of Miami's coaches this past weekend. He seems to love the U. The U seems to love him. But Miami does still, though, have their eyes on even bigger fish. So we're going to see how the dominoes fall here. One of those dominoes is going to fall this Saturday. And no, I don't think Jaden Rashada is going to choose Miami. I wasn't a whole very confident over the past month. Like he announced about a month ago that he's going to make his official verbal commit this Saturday, June 18th. He announced that on May 18th. So we've had almost a month to think about this. I wasn't that confident then. And I'm less confident now about Rashada because despite the fact that he's got Miami in his finalist, never made that official visit this month. Like we were wondering, is he going to schedule that official visit? He's been to Miami before, multiple unofficial visits, but he never scheduled that official visit. I don't take that as a good sign. I think he's probably going to end up at Oregon or Florida is what I think is going to be for Jaden Rashada. And listen, if he, you know, I, I talk a lot of trash about the Florida Gators. If they if they land this guy, that's a huge get. I, I hope they kept that plate of food away from him is, is the thing you got to think about. Another, though, even bigger fish than Jaden Rashada. Five-star out of Detroit, Michigan, Dante Moore. Guys, there's some momentum here for Dante Moore. He's not going to announce until long after Rashada announced. So you, you play a tricky game there. Like if, if you wait for Dante Moore, do you risk maybe losing out on Emory Williams because of that? I, I don't know. That, that's not my tightrope to walk. We'll let Cristobal and company worry about that. But Dante Moore, guys, there, there is some momentum there. He's taken – a lot of unofficials and maybe some under-the-radar visits to Miami. He's from Michigan, and he had been recruited heavily by Josh Gaddis when Gaddis was at Michigan. Speaks very highly of Gaddis. Understands the way Gaddis's offense runs. There's mutual admiration there. So it really makes me wonder. Like at this 
A week ago, I would have told you Rashada was probably a little bit more likely than Dante Moore. At this point, I think Dante Moore is a lot more likely than Jaden Rashada. And I put a Twitter poll out there. Do you believe Miami has a chance at landing five-star quarterback Dante Moore? Uh, 203 votes so far at Locked on Canes on Twitter. 54% say, yeah, we got a shot. 46% say no shot. So for what it's worth, you guys are, are pretty confident out there. Uh, so you have to wonder uh, if one of Dante Moore or Emery Williams is the next true freshman in a quarterback. I think Miami's going to be in really good shape at that position for the next several years. A couple of other recruiting notes here that I got to get to before we wrap it up. Welcome to the U, Jackson Carter. Six foot six tight end out of Loomis Chaffee High School in Indiana. Uh, now, it's interesting because a lot of people have different star rankings for this guy. He's either a three-star or a four-star, depending on what publication you prefer. Uh, and didn't I tell you guys this week, tight ends coach Stephen Field was putting in the extra work in recruiting, and he gets a big one here. Jackson Carver, he's made multiple unofficial visits to Miami uh, and had an official visit this past weekend. Uh, the upside on this player is unbelievable when you look at his athletic background. He literally just started playing football, and he's already a three-star or a four-star. Now, he finished high school in Indiana, or is finishing high school in Indiana, but he grew up in Minnesota playing hockey, and he was an excellent hockey player. He also plays lacrosse and was even a one-point uh, a commit to play lacrosse at Notre Dame. Then he decided, I'm so darn athletic. Let me play football and dominate that too. So this is a multi-sport athlete if I've ever seen one. Uh, and, you know, he, he commits to Miami on Tuesday afternoon. The timing of this commit is wild because, you know, yesterday we just did a tight end focused episode. And then like a half hour after our episode airs, boom, Jackson Carver announces Miami. You know, we were talking more about Reed McKeska potentially committing yesterday, which still could happen. But Jackson Carver flew a little bit more under my radar. So welcome to the U, Jackson Carver. And, you know, we know Josh Gaddis loves him some tight ends. I think this guy's going to be a great one at Miami. And, yeah, his size, six foot six. I freaking love it. Let's go. Another player to watch in the coming days or weeks. I don't know how imminent any commitment's going to be for this guy. But Nathaniel Joseph, better known as Ray Ray decommitted from Clemson on Tuesday. Is Dabo Sweeney giving us an assist here? It, players are decommitting from Clemson left and right. Four-star wide receiver from Miami Edison Senior High. So he's in the backyard here. He was just, by the way, on the University of Miami campus three days ago competing in the seven-on-seven -seven tournament at Green Tree, South Florida Express. He is believed to be now a top recruiting target for Miami and Louisville are also in the mix. And if you go on Twitter, you see Miami fans and Louisville fans are battling it. He's coming here. No, he's coming here. Everybody wants Ray Ray at this point. Uh, he is reported to have had multiple visits, some of them under the radar visits to Miami. He's the number 20 recruit from the state of Florida for the class of 2023. We know there's a lot of good recruits in Florida to be the 20th recruit in the state. Not bad, right? Uh, he's Five foot eight, which gives you kind of an idea of where he would play if he comes here. Slot receiver, speedy, explosive guy, great kick and punt returner, too. Just throwing this out there. He gives me Santana Moss vibes as a returner. Just throwing that out there. Maybe Roscoe Parrish, if you prefer that comparison. So let's hope 
Miami puts in the work and can potentially land Ray Ray Joseph out of Miami Edison Senior High. I told you we had a lot today. We're supposed to keep these under a half hour. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked on NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow hosts this in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked on NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back with more Canes football content tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.